0: Welcome to the ITSB Magazine Podcast Network. You're listening to a new episode of the Founder Pack Podcast, where your host, Brendan Rod, brings startup stories from experienced founders and other functional experts to help current and future founders get inspired and grow their knowledge with quick, tactical insights. Knowledge is power, now more than ever.
1: Hey, Logan, welcome to the show. Uh, hey, Brandon, it's
2: a
0: pleasure.
1: Yeah, likewise. I'm really excited about the topic at hand. We're going to be talking about Founders Mental Health today, which is a fairly underserved topic. Doesn't seem like many people are covering this topic. So again, I'm really honored that you're willing to discuss this with me. But before we open up the show, how's your week going? What's going on in your world?
2: It's pretty good. The week is um, rather busy, I'd say. Uh, we uh, so I'm a founder and CEO at Orna, right? Which is a tool for incident response teams. So essentially, a case management and incident response system that automates a lot of their day to day activities and removes a lot of stress uh, from their lives. Coincidentally, uh, cybersecurity industry has some of the highest uh, burnout and uh, turnover rates in the world. Uh, so we just aim to help these folks. Um uh, so we just made a massive release uh, this weekend uh like feature release that bumped the version up from 1 to 2.0 and uh, a lot of the associated stuff with that like customer onboarding um uh, plus we're starting fundraising for series A so there's a lot going on.
1: You're also kind of getting some of that cybersecurity burnout crossover with with founder burnout, maybe you will be able to share some of the common sort of telltale signs from seeing it on both ends. Did you come from a practitioner background before getting into startups and founding your own companies? It, it kind of went
2: hand in hand. Um, I'm a software engineer by trade, um, but uh, my first company was an AI company. I majored in artificial intelligence and machine learning. So I started a business in 2013. Lots of learning opportunities. Had a small exit there. Um, Then my second company was 2015 Up, uh, which is a B two B. I guess you would call it B two B. No, sorry, peer to peer. So that's P two P. Drivers education, kind of like Uber for learning how to drive, right? Um, So then I sold that one as well. Um, I've written a few books. Then I was an independent consultant, and like as you kind of like proceed uh, there, I sort of slowly went from being very hands-on, um, you know, cybersecurity and, um, you know, software engineering into being in a more of like a managerial position and uh, at this point, um, somewhat insulated from the day-to-day uh, operations in terms of digital forensics or like, you know, penetration testing and that sort of thing. Um, so mostly just the founder stress. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's enough to, to to handle. So I know you like for a little while before we um, got on the podcast. So I kind of think I know your fun fact, but maybe you're going to choose a different one before we jump in. Yeah, you're probably expecting something
2: car-related. Uh, so I'm just going to surprise you, um, hopefully. Uh, all right, <laughs> yeah. this one time I got a, a, a first degree a black belt in, in Kyokushin karate. Um, so as a result, I decided to travel to Siberia and climb a mountain. And uh, trained on top of the mountain for a few days, <laughs> which I have. Um, and uh, I got like pictures of the stuff because I look miserable. I mean, I hated it. It was cold, it was wet. They were like coyotes or whatever stuff. And then I get on top of the mountain. You got some like tents, and I'm wearing my gi, by the way, so the white like karate uniform, plant belt, <laughs> and like a backpack. Um, so I'm there on top of the mountain. It's like foggy. There are, like snowflakes uh, falling, you know, from the sky. And you got like a few, I think like geologists or whatever, um, on top of the mountain. They're like in tents, winter jackets. Uh, you know, so I show up and then they get out of the tents and I'm just going sort of like "Whoops!" you know, I'm here to <laughs> practice and karate. They're like, What the hell are you talking about, man? I'm like, just don't mind me. Uh and then after a couple of days we went down together. So that's pretty interesting, I think.
1: I'm assuming you have built up some (laughs) resilience to stress in your life before becoming a founder or was this kind of at the same time you became a founder um that was
2: in like 2012 or 13 something like that so that was before my first business actually it does help um you know just in general martial arts any physical activity i think helps uh just on the chemical level right like I'm, i'm not you know i'm not a biologist or anthropologist or anything like that but, you know, it does release certain chemicals in your brain, like whether that's endorphins or dopamine and so on, and it does help you mitigate the stress. I actually make a point of working out uh, every day, at least cardio.
1: Yeah, we're, we're probably going to touch on some of this stuff later on. So I thought, first of all, thank you for sharing. <laughs> that sounds like <laughs> some intense experience. Perhaps we could open up with awareness and, and kind of symptoms around mental health Um, for those who kind of choose to ignore it, you would be able to sort of put it in front of people as, Hey, this is kind of what you should look out for as telltale signs. hundred percent. Yeah. Um, I have my
2: like startup coaching practice, right? So I do see a lot of founders, um, on a day-to-day basis and their teams as well. Um, you know, starting a business is difficult, right? Like, so I'm not, you know, opening the new world to anybody here. Um, But you have to manage, you have to come up with the idea, maybe raise funds, manage execution, go to market strategy, pivoting, hiring, legal, like it is a lot to handle, right? Um, I mean, like I've been at Deloitte, for example, right, like I mentioned, and it's a very stressful environment to to be in, Um, you know, very high pressure. Like I slept in the office, I think two or three times responding to like RFPs and what have you. And they know you're going to do it too. They have a support infrastructure like showers and stuff, or food snacks. So, <laughs> anyway, um, but you know, compared to something like that, uh, running a company, it's it's like a whole new level, right? Because you feel like your entire life or like livelihood um, are on the line. Uh, if you have employees, that's even more pressure because now you know it's like these people's livelihoods are dependent on you to some extent, right? Uh, so, you know, uh, th- there are kind of like two sides of the metal here. Um, Side one is the stress itself, which has, you know, activates the, I think it's the called the parasympathetic, uh, nervous system response. So like the flight, uh, or fight response. Um, and our bodies are built for that, right? Like there are two types of stress, acute stress and chronic stress. Acute stress is thoroughly fine. Uh, in fact, it's helpful for performance, you know, evolutionary, you know, it's, it's some kind of short term stressful situation that you encounter like a bear. Uh, and then, you know, your body like, and it tightens up non-essential functions like digestion, what not shut down so that you can respond uh, to the best ability that you can, um, which is very helpful, uh, in, in this, you know, time and age, it could be like a big presentation or like a wedding or something, you know? Right. So that's fine. The problem is, uh, when you're running a startup, these things are coming at you very fast and like one after another. So you have this acute stress but on a regular basis. And that's what uh, chronic stress is that our bodies are not built for uh, because that leads to your kind of like long term deterioration of just about every heart condition has been in some uh, shape or form um, linked to chronic stress. You know, you got anxiety problems. You got digestion problems and, you know, people respond in different ways uh, and ultimately, though, it's to your detriment, like chronic stress is not helpful whatsoever. It's not helpful to your health, it's not helpful to your the the type of decisions you're making in the company. Um, And it's a pretty big risk factor, actually. Um, Like if you know, if you're sourcing like a VC investment, for example, uh, these folks would uh, sometimes subtly, sometimes not so subtly, kind of assess your mental resilience in your ability to like operate under stress, uh, because it is a legitimate risk factor in startup success.
1: Do you know cases where they've turned down investments where they like the product and the company, but the founder was not capable in their minds?
2: Yeah, the, but they're not going to tell you like, oh, you know, we're not going to invest in you because you, you, you know, we think you're too stressed uh, to succeed. Uh, they would usually use some more or less common area, like uh, you know, they uh, have lost faith or never had faith in you know, like the team's ability to execute like it's not the right team, right? So that sort of thing. So in some cases when uh like I've seen technical founders usually do that. Um, you know, or unfortunately susceptible to that. Like they would do a great pitch, very technical, they know their stuff, right? Um, but then the investment wouldn't come through. And there could be a different, you know, like a thousand reasons, right? Uh but sometimes the product is great. The growth is there. Like why would they not invest? And they keep obsessing over it. And it's like, well, you know, sometimes it's something that you haven't considered. Like, you, you know, if you're stressed out of your mind and you look like you're basically about to quit and, uh, I don't know, escape to Guatemala or something, then that's a significant risk factor for your investors. And if they're getting these type of vibes, we're talking about people, you know, they, they get like 50 to 100 pitches a day, right? Like, so it's very easy to move on.
1: Can you give an example of like what you've noticed to be their kind of stress test for founders? What are some examples that you've noticed investors are using to stress test when they're evaluating an investment with a founder?
2: No, it's mostly behavioral stuff. Like they would, you know, let's say they could ask you uh, more or less the same question, you know, multiple times and see if you're gonna start like losing your temper right? Um, that's a pretty classic one. So, you know, if if it seems like they're asking stupid questions, right? Like, these people are not dumb. You know, they're, they're managing large amounts of money uh, from the investment perspective. So you got to ask yourself, like, why are they doing that? Right? And there's always a good reason. Uh, but usually it's like behavioral science. I mean, these, call- it's, these days it's usually like a Zoom call, uh, not necessarily an in-person meeting. Um, so, All they can see is, you know, observe your reactions to the stuff they say and do.
1: I mean, the more we talk about it, the more it kind of makes sense. I can't say that I've ever (laughs) experienced it because I'm not a founder, but I do know working with investors um, in my previous roles, a lot of them are very big on this hiring process. Um, Top grading, that's what it's called. Have you heard of top grading? It's a recruiting process that's very vigorous, and it's supposed to really bring out your A-plus hires. Talking with you about the investors' stress test, it feels like if if they would recommend this for employees, why wouldn't they have something internally amongst themselves? Well, yeah. Um, I mean, it's rare to find a VC
2: uh, or even an angel group, for example, that cares about you know your product uh, deeply right or your business uh, i'm actually fortunate to have a few of these folks on board with us as our investment group but it's not common right you usually have to look for like subject matter expertise in this particular field that means that they kind of care about it uh, at least a little bit but usually they care about the success of their investment and chances of 10xing it right and uh, there are all kinds of uh, uh, criteria that go in that uh, risk analysis including mental health.
1: We've spoken about some telltale signs and just general awareness for people who maybe choose to ignore it. What would you say, based on your personal experience, if you feel like sharing your own experience, that's fine. If not, recommendations on how to deal with stress as a founder, what are some of the things you recommend to other founders?
2: Yes, yeah, so it's typically a three step process for me personally. Um, and, you know, I've, I've run multiple businesses, like I'm running multiple businesses now. Um, Orna takes up 95% of my time, but uh, you know, I have like a, writing a blog and things like that, right? Not really a business, arguably, but anyway. Um, so step one is just to sort of identify that you are in fact, experiencing, you know, chronic stress and anxiety, that shouldn't be too hard. Um, to be honest, uh, but a lot of people like in denial, you know, I'm not, I'm okay. I'm not stressed. This is fine. I just didn't get a good night's sleep. It's like, buddy, if you've been feeling this, you know, for three, five months, sometimes over a year, it's chronic stress, you know? Um, so that's one. Then number two is again, you want to identify the specific situations that make you stressed because not every single activity or situation in your business or otherwise on a day to day basis makes you stressed. Like some people hate public speaking or meetings and that sort of thing. I'm personally very comfortable with that as a public speaker professionally. Um, so that's fine, you know, but, uh, I like for me, for example, paperwork, like I'm not very good with paperwork. Um, it stresses me out, right? So various contracts and things like that. Uh, you know, for some people, it's uh, something else. A very common one is when you have to juggle multiple sort of tasks and activities, kind of like in the rapid fire fashion, because uh, it's just not how our brain um, is really wired, right? Now, all of these different type of like areas, they take a different approach. For me, generally, um, my my main thing is like anxiety, right? So I'm a very like responsible person. I dare say so myself. Uh, so all kind of like deadlines and, you know, tasks and things Except like that. Tip when you're
1: racing Ferraris, right? <laughs> <laughs> There's still some degree and of responsibility. In fact, no, 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 but actually... Climbing um, but, mountains. <laughs> no, but it's
2: funny it's that you mention that though, because um, actually like motorsports racing, any kind of competitive sports, uh, it really brings out discipline, uh, in my opinion, and uh, like the team spirit. So, in fact, uh, me, like racing semi-professionally, like digitally and in real life uh, is actually very helpful uh, from the stress relief perspective. Plus, when you're driving competitively, your mind is focused on this one thing. Like, there's nothing else that matters, right? So, again, it's a very powerful stress coping uh, mechanism. But I digress. Yeah, so for me, it's usually just general anxiety because I feel like I absolutely have to, you know, complete every single task uh, you know, that I've arranged, uh, for myself on a daily basis and otherwise like the world will collapse kind of thing. Right. Uh, which does lead to me, you know, almost always delivering on deadlines and promises and just doing things like in a very like sharp professional manner. And also I, that helped me to get myself to like incredible levels of productivity. Like I can accomplish a lot in a short period of time. Yeah. But the byproduct is anxiety. So the way uh, I personally, I fight that is, first of all, I try to schedule my day in sort of short bursts of productivity uh, with big pauses in between sometimes. And uh, and the biggest challenge was not feeling guilty for these pauses. Something that founders have to realize, I think, is that they have a lot of flexibility over their schedule and over like how they work. So you can assign your like the way that your brain works your body to your personal sort of like circadian rhythm version, right? So for instance, maybe you find that your your cognitive clarity is at its peak, you know between one thirty and like four to five o'clock in the afternoon, or maybe it's in the morning or maybe it's you know at eight p m right So that would be uh, the time for you to complete some. Um, you know, intelligence type uh, task, like in, you know, intellect uh, uh, focused one. Like, I don't know if it could be emails, could be writing a tr- you know, presentation or something like that. Could be coding, right? And at the same time, maybe you have a bunch of like emails to catch up on, or you know, whatever. And then you know that you get very sluggish around lunch or something like that. I'm just supervising. Then you know, you might allocate these activities there. Bottom line is, not all tasks that you have uh, in your day. Um, are good for all of the time slots in that day, right? So they can actually be reshuffled in a way that makes you much more productive. Secondly, I can complete some tasks and then I can literally take like a two to three hour break and, I don't know, uh, play F1 2022 on PlayStation, right? To some people, you know, the hashtag hustle culture, this is like blasphemy. They're like, what? You're taking time off in the middle of the day as a startup CEO what are you talking about? I'm like, yeah, but then, you know, I'll go to the gym, I'll eat dinner, and then I'm super energized, I'm not stressed, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to hack, you know, this stuff would have taken me like four hours, you know, with some procrastination sprinkled on. And instead, now I'm going to complete it in 30 minutes.
1: And that's how that works. Right? Um, So that's
2: also really helpful
1: the output is more important than the time spent. And I know you love this topic of like time spent versus outputs. We can touch yeah. on that if you want, but just to, just to echo some of the things you're saying, I saw a presentation and by the way, I agree, agree with everything you're saying because A, I feel it. I've kind of used some of those techniques. And I also saw a presentation, I think it was by Daniel Pink. It's probably in one of his books or his latest books. But yeah, like our day usually follows like a sine wave in terms of our energy and cognitive function. It it typically peaks at around noon and then it tapers off in the afternoon. And then I think you get another second wave at around four or five in the afternoon. I think it's quite common for most folks to follow that sine wave rhythm. Sorry for interrupting. No, no, not at all.
2: Um, you know, but for me personally, I'm very productive in, uh, in the evening, right? I'm just kind of like a night owl and uh, I can accomplish a lot between like uh, 7 or 8 p.m. and sometimes like 11 or something like that. Um, so employees typically see me like shooting their messages and stuff. It's like, uh, you know, in an ungodly hour. But, um, you know, but that's also the type of, you know, as a founder, you'll notice that, uh, you know, a lot of the company culture and performance kind of like revolves around your own personal weaknesses and strengths and how you do things. Um, so similarly, at our company, Orna, uh, we have complete flexibility over where, how and when people work. Right. So I, and I always tell this to like new hires and like, listen, I have certain objectives on a week to week basis. Obviously, we want you to complete them, but how you complete them and when is largely up to you. you can be working out of Barbados in the middle of the night, as long as it's done, I'm fine with that, right? Um, yeah. So then, another thing is hobbies, right? Uh, like I said, you sp- you gotta you know you gotta break up the periods of chronic stress uh, to make it acute instead. Really, that should be your goal. Instead of making it last all day, break it into small periods of acute. Um, kind of stressful, but good stressful. Now it's going to be productive stress because it fuels your performance, and then you wind down, you relax a bit. So it's very nice to have hobbies. Um, I've met some people that don't have any hobbies uh, by their own admission. I don't really know how that happens. Um, You know, if I personally have a lot of hobbies, I also get bored easily, which does help in forming new hobbies. Um, And again, like sprinkling those around the day really, really helps Uh, the main thing, like I said, you got to combat is don't feel guilty for doing that, right? Uh, Many, like, uh, you know, there's a sprint, like a hundred meter sprint in the Olympics. And then there's the, like, uh, you know, the full lap that's uh, usually 400. So people that run, you know, 100 meter sprint, there isn't a lot of strategy to this. Uh, Once you've mastered actually the actual takeoff, because there's a lot of technique to that, uh, you got to, you know, regulate your breath and pretty much just run like there's a lion chasing you. Right. That's, that's the strategy more or less, um, you know, but with the marathon, it's completely different, you know, like actual strategic planning and thinking like you can't run 400 meters, like you would run a uh, 50 or a hundred. It's just not, I mean, or you can, but you're going to kill yourself, you know, quite literally. Right. And that's not, that's not what you want as a startup founder. You want to leave a legacy. Yes. But you also want to be there to enjoy the fruits of your labor. Uh, you know, you don't want to exit your startup. And then, you know, your, your hair is falling out and you know, you're tired and you know, you're fat. And then you, you have like six different issues, right? Then what's, you know, what's the point? Yeah. So, um, you know, I always recommend people to treat this as a marathon. We all have a certain, you know, peak level of productivity. And, uh, you know, it's, 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 a diff- it's one thing to try and gradually push that peak of productivity higher and higher through training, schedule optimization productivity, optimization, and so on. It's completely another thing to just regularly exceed it on a daily basis just because you have to. You feel like you have to. So not actually working the productivity, you're just forcing it through. Uh, and that's that's how you burn out. And if you burn out as a founder, that's that's a very, very uh, bad thing for a startup.
1: You know, it, it all makes a lot of sense. I guess it's just whether you take the advice or try it instead of dismissing it or... Ignoring it. And speaking of remedies or just sort of good behavior or or healthy habits, do you have any inputs around food and exercise does does that play into your program? i I know from personal experience, for me, exercise definitely helps food, and speaking of food, There's a podcast by a guy named Andrew Huberman. Um, They do a lot of... Have you heard of him? I have not heard of the name, no. He does a lot of experiments like how does bursts of early morning sunlight affect the rest of your day before you get on your phone and start getting all that artificial light and blue light versus opening up your day with tons of sunlight and how it affects your serotonin, melatonin, and even drinking coffee a few hours after you wake up. There's some chemical imbalance if you drink coffee first thing in the morning before letting this chemical dissipate in your brain before you have your first cup of coffee. So I've been like playing around with a lot of these experiments myself, and I do find it helps. So I was just curious... If you had anything to add around like food and exercise, nothing too groundbreaking, to be honest. Uh, just, you know, healthy eating, like you got to take a look at, you know, n-
2: nutritional profile of foods. Uh, like I was always into fitness since I was, I don't know, 12 years old, 13. I started doing like martial arts and sports and so on. It was my parents' initiative, but you know, I eventually grew to like it. Um, yeah, so different foods represent a different nutritional profile and uh, how they get absorbed, how they affect your, you know, anything from mood to your energy levels. And, uh, you know, particularly the glucose levels, right, uh, in, in your blood, right? So that's something that, again, you can plan around your schedule uh, in accordance to, like, what I just mentioned, right? Like, you got to break up the periods of chronic stress to make them acute instead. Um, and similarly, you got to watch out, you know, for, like, either spikes or you know clips in your uh, blood sugar because that will affect your mood your productivity everything and you're going to plan around that so yeah but typically it's nothing too crazy you know like just whole foods fruits you know not a lot of processed right? It's not a lot of like chocolate or things like that just everything in moderation what I find really useful is like negotiating with myself um it makes any kind of habit much more sustainable so, for example, let's say you decide to go on a healthy diet or whatever it is. This is applicable across the board, but let's say it's a diet. Okay. Um, and then you say, well, you know, these foods, I'm just not eating them. I can't. They say, I can't eat them, right? Because it's a diet. Th- yeah. Unless you have like titanic willpower, this is probably not going to work long term, uh, right? You got to negotiate with yourself. Like, let's say you want to eat a pizza, right? Maybe don't eat the whole pizza, right? So it doesn't mean you can't eat any pizza, but you can say, well, look, I'm going to have one slice for sure, and it's going to be guilt-free. Maybe I'm going to have a second slice if I feel like it. But after that, what's the point? I mean, I've enjoyed the pizza and I'm pretty full. I'm not really even enjoying the rest of it. So why why bother? Right. Well, you know, or like uh, chocolates or whatever. Don't say like, oh, I can't eat a chocolate. Right. Because our brains are like, you know, we're like kids. Oh, I can't. Now I want to. No, say, well. It's my choice. I choose not to eat the chocolate because I have goals, and if I eat it, that's not going to help the goals, right? Um, so essentially, that type of like reasonable negotiation uh, has been very helpful in both forming and maintaining good habits for me. Uh, I'm not perfect, though. Like for example, I'm definitely hooked on coffee, um, <laughs> but uh, I try to I try to improve the situation by cutting it down a little
1: bit. Yeah, everyone has their. Poison to some degree, so it can't be perfect, and that's okay. Um, exactly. What are your thoughts on having a shrink or having someone to talk to? I have one, um, so I think it's useful, you know, because, um,
2: you know, there are folks like if you're in a fortunate situation where you have the type of support network uh, where you can share literally anything with them, and they can actually provide helpful advice that's excellent but not all of us are in this situation you know um, so yeah I find it pretty useful it really takes a while I think to find uh, a person that you click with I mean I've went through like three or four uh, therapists before I found uh, the current one uh, so she uses um, something pretty interesting she's called timeline therapy that I found highly effective very skeptical in the beginning I'm a very like pr- practical logical person so when somebody's telling you that they're gonna like put you, a, in a state of mild hypnosis, and then you're gonna like go to your past in your head and try to find traumatic events and like heal them. That's pretty skeptical, uh, you know. And she knows and that's another thing, right? Like, b- we clicked so well because she was like, Look, you know, based on our conversations, I know how you are, and I know you're gonna think this is a lot of BS, but just give it a shot, you know, like three sessions. Like, that's all I ask, right? Give it a shot. Uh, probably the most effective therapy I was ever uh, a part of um so yeah very much recommended uh to what extent you know uh, i do the sessions uh, twice a month usually right so bi-weekly uh, some folks need them more often less often it's homework um i don't know i find them really helpful depending on the therapist like that's really that really is key like if you if you're not feeling any effects uh, after you know weeks of talking to your therapist then it's not your therapist you got to change it
1: and in terms of the therapy, like is work and your past all interconnected or are they, are, are they separating out your work stresses from like your mental health?
2: Uh, it's, it's mostly connected, right? Because, um, you know, my business is my life more or less on a day-to-day basis uh, and by far the largest um, source of stress for me. And I'm sure a lot of interpreters would probably agree with that. I mean, all of us had to, you know, forego, uh, uh, you know, dinners with your parents or hanging out with your friends and this and that uh, because you had to work with some deadline and either some release or something like that, right? So I can relate, um, and that is probably the main, you know, source of stress for me. Like my relationship, the rest of my life is in excellent uh, shape. If I dare say so myself, um, but yeah, so we typically work on kind of like business related things. She's almost like a performance coach. Um, so
1: yeah, most founders have told me it's the loneliest job in the world, <laughs> other than probably being like a, a night watchman.
2: <laughs> oh, like a like a night museum guard. That's that would be terrible. Yeah, or like a warehouse. Well, actually, if you have a good book with you that maybe it's tolerable. Um, or Twitter. Um, anyway, so well, uh, regardless of what kind of person it is, I think uh, the the right mindset here is whether that's a friend or a friend or somebody else, you know, maybe a colleague. Uh, it does typically take some kind of a, a outside influence, right? Because otherwise, well, like what's what's your trigger, right? Because it's kind of like a it's a life changing you know it's a it's a choice right like it's a life-changing type situation uh you're making a decision like make certain lifestyle changes or whatever um and i don't see those often coming from the person themselves in a sustainable way it happens but again it takes immense willpower and discipline to execute on that and if you're already in that mindset of high stress high anxiety then both of these are probably you know more or less
1: depleted wouldn't you say that just having someone to talk to is better than just bottling it all up? Like even if they're yeah. not able to give you, even if they cannot give you the answer, just sort of speaking to someone is is beneficial. Well, a hundred
2: percent, a hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. It's beneficial to talk to um someone. Right. But whether that someone will produce an efficient, uh, and productive advice is another question, right? Because, you know, for example, like if you're going to talk to, you know, let's say, uh, your mother, I'm going to talk to my mother about this, uh, and like the issues of, ex- she's just going to say, oh, then, you know, you should stop doing it, like quit the business and go do something else. I'm like, it, <laughs> It doesn't work like that. I mean, <laughs>
1: thanks, mum. <laughs>
2: yeah, it's like okay, thank you. um But yeah, so exactly. um Yeah, venting definitely helps. Uh, but like I said, whether that results in the productive advice is another matter.
1: When would you say you're happiest as a founder? I uh, like working with my team, like the Dev team in
2: particular, a lot. Uh, I'm still very much a software engineer. I feel like you know, uh, in my head. Um, so I like working on the product, improving the product. Uh, it, it does show, I think, uh, we have recently been voted as best in class user, user experience uh, among these uh, similar like incident response platforms, which is the point. Right. The point was for us to build a product that reduces stress that these teams face on a day to day basis, which is a lot of stress. Um, yeah so i I really like that uh interestingly enough i'm financially inclined i would say i'm a bit of like an armchair financial analyst you can probably see that from my blog on linkedin um but uh yeah so i quite like talking about like financial matters and i'm interested a lot of people find the subject ex- extremely dry somehow i don't you know um but um I'm not a good project manager, for example, right, uh, I'm, I'm very open, as you can probably see, I'm happy to talk about my shortcomings, I think it's healthy. Um, so I'm not a good project manager, I never was, um, I, I don't deal well with like the day to day minutiae of a very particular project. Um, so that's why we have people working in the company that are substantially better project managers than me. Uh, and that's again, part of, uh, my stress and anxiety coping approach. Like if you identify specific areas that cause you high anxiety, high stress, and as a result you're being unproductive, then maybe you can delegate them. Maybe you can minimize them in some shape or form and fix it that way.
1: Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. When would you say you're at your most stressed or unhappiest? Is it kind of doing the things you don't enjoy or there's more to it? Well, I mean, yeah, pretty much but for me, like, you know, marketing strategy, go to market strategy is
2: usually the most stressful thing to do, but they are key to the business as well. Right. And again, we have uh, senior marketing folks and third party consultants that help us with lead acquisition and GTF and all that stuff. Um, you know, generally speaking, it's can to be pretty stressful because sometimes you feel like you're poking in the dark, right? Like why is the audience not picking this signals up or these signals up and what's happening? Right. And like, I've known for a while that for me, the, 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 the most stressful, uh, type situation I can be in and in, is it that of, um, a lot of unknowns, right? So not knowing something is very stressful for me personally. Um, and even if like, let's say like, I, I, I take a definitively negative outcome over, uh, some uncertainty as to whether it's going to be a positive or negative outcome, right? So like, for instance, you you know, if um, you're applying for a job, right? Like, and you don't know if you're going to get hired or not. In this theoretical situation, I would much rather learn um, sooner than later than that. They went with a different candidate than them, you know, dangling me for weeks because I'm going to be stressing the hell out.
1: So I guess you hate the question that Lex Friedman likes to ask all his guests. What's the the meaning of life? <laughs>
2: the meaning of life is to leave a legacy, in my opinion. So I've thought about that quite a bit, right? Um, so what, what kind of legacy is it going to be? That's a different question. You know, for a lot of people, it's, for example, uh, their children, right? Uh, I don't have any children. Um, so it's, uh, you know... For me, the legacy is in the recognize that it's different for everybody else. But for me, it's a a company. It's making meaningful change in how people do business or how they go day to day about their lives or perceive things. And basically, that's legacy, in my opinion.
1: Um, Leaving your your code in the matrix forever in (laughs) Orna. Yeah,
2: (laughs) whether (laughs) biological or otherwise, yeah. I have my sights on like some space uh, related uh you know endeavors as well uh which uh well i guess we'll talk in a decade about that <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah hopefully the show will still be going <laughs> um, so yeah like moving to co-founder side topic this comes up from time to time how to manage your co-founders co-founder relationships do you find having co-founders is reducing stress adding stress or it just depends well the honest answer is it depends uh, i mean i've
2: launched a couple of businesses in orna and in my previous business wembley partners uh, which is a consulting company assembly security consulting uh, same founding team so i have two co-founders yana and martin uh, and, uh, the reason I am in another enterprise with these two uh, folks is because I think I've been extremely lucky uh, with both of them, right? Uh, we just, you know, we, we just work, you know, it's the same, uh, it's the same work ethic, it's the same objectives, uh, right. And it's so difficult to find co-founders like this. Like in some of my past businesses, I wasn't as lucky, right? So, and that, ca- that can cause you to fall out with friends that can cause you like lots of, you know, the blaming game, there are strategies of coping with that, um, again, and how to manage like these relationships with your co-founders, which is a whole other broader topic. Um, but I mean, there are certain techniques that you can implement to basically talk to these folks productively and even in terms of conflict resolution without actually uh, getting in a fight with them, right? Because um, you get in a fight with your co-founders, things get pretty nasty. Suddenly, people start looking at contracts and shareholder agreements, and you know, money comes into play. And it's like the last thing you need when trying to grow a fledgling company is your co-founder trying to like negotiate an exit, you know, or something like that. So, and it doesn't look good on a company's reputation, also for fundraising purposes, because it's like. It's, it's your word versus this other person's. Like whose fault was that from the investor's perspective? Mm. And I guess if you're going to ask the follow up question, like how to find a great co-founder, <laughs> I honestly, I, I don't even know. I mean, there, there has to be a certain fit. Uh, just mindset wise, I think, right? Like uh, if you're getting, I don't know, like if you're getting bad vibes from somebody, like you talk to them and you know, you're like, hmm. you know, they, they they know their stuff. They have the subject matter expertise. Let's say maybe that's what you're thinking, but you're like, yeah, but you know, maybe, maybe you're a, you're a Democrat and they're like a radical Republican or something <laughs> okay, <laughs> or whatever it is. And you're like, yeah, yeah, that seems like a problem, but now nah, it'll be okay. It will not be okay. All right. Just don't even, it will absolutely not be okay. Like if you have some. Like pretty glaring concern in the beginning. You think, well, we can work around that. You cannot. Just move on,
1: okay? Cut your losses. Um, Yeah. Would you say that like the best co-founder relationships are like born out of friendships, past experience, working relationships? Yeah, for me, it's the
2: opposite. I think co-founders that are not friends, uh, but they can become friends through working together and raising a company. Right, because uh, typically, if you start a company with friends or like relatives or whatever uh, acquaintances, it, it gets really difficult because inevitably, at some point, you're going to have one and another and then a hundred moments where uh, there's some negative feedback. Or I mean, it's not just going to be smooth sailing all the time. At some point, you're going to have to provide negative feedback. At some point, you're going to have to, you know, ask or tell this person, depending on the type of relationship to skip some activity they've been looking forward to because you need them to do some task right? Things like that. And it, it generates, you know, certain degree of resentment and, um, uh, you know, at least to are falling out, right. Quite often uh, the idea of a boss, you know, a friend friend boss, right. It is an elusive one. It's, I, I, I'm, I don't know if that's realistic. Uh, you know, some companies try to peddle, that oh they're like a family right? Welcome to the you know to the Orna family or something like that. Your family is not going to fire you for poor performance, you know. So let's 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 cut the bull, right? A, a company is not a family. A company is like a sports team. So I personally we equate you know my company to a Formula One team, right? I love Formula One. A lot of people at the company happen to like uh, sports or motorsports, some shape or form. But basically, I say, look, you know. We love you. We're happy to work with you. We hang out. We have fun together. Right. But ultimately, there's also a strong focus on performance. Like you need to be a top performer. And as long as you are, you're giving it your best. This is going to be a fantastic relationship. Um, if you know, you're performing very, very poorly, it's just something that we can't afford playing at this level, at this time and place. And this isn't, you know, Myersk or uh, some other gigantic company where you can just, you know, sit your way out into retirement. Um, so, yeah, that's the that's the mindset.
1: It's better to be pragmatic than to live in a false sense of security. I don't know. Just see it for what it is and try to have fun in the process while you know being being a team player. Don't let your team down. That's just kind of my philosophy. You know, if you're part of a company, you're also affecting other people the company and other people if you let people down or slack off whatever it is Um, if it's just not a good fit like that's a different uh, conversation but coming back to the co-founder discussion for a second you have experienced with three co-founders so i mean that's like really tough i would imagine how do you manage between yourselves as a trio is there any universal advice that makes it work? Because I guess you all have your own ideas or is it just like we form the team based on the needs and strengths? So one of you is technical, one of you is sales, and one of you is more marketing. I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there, but I'd love to hear from you how it works in Ornet. It, it, it's the type
2: of the latter, um, right? So we, we, we've we done that, but uh, kind of like more thoroughly. Uh, so we've you know, made a list of responsibilities and areas of strengths. We did like a SWOT analysis basically on every co-founder, right? Um, and at the same time, we also did what's called, a, I actually highly recommend it. It's called the 16 personalities uh, test. It's kind of like the Myers-Briggs, um, but I found it to be shockingly uh, accurate uh, right. So, and it really helps because that also lists out you know, like strength weaknesses, how you, you know, what's your like workplace ethics, uh, you know, type and so on. Uh, so that was really helpful. And this way we were able to form like a very comprehensive psychological and otherwise profile of every co-founder. And then we segregated responsibilities within the company. Like essentially the buck stops with you on this, this and that. And the box stops with, you know, Martin on this, this and that, and with me on these uh, matters, uh, you know, and these are like discussions, you know, right. So, uh, but on these key, key matters that we've assigned to each other's area of expertise, we don't really question each other. Like it's, it's an unspoken rule within the company uh, and we just trust it and we go with it. We know it's based on the strengths of that person. And uh, yeah, and then some like softer topics always come up on a week to week basis. Uh, and, uh, those are discussion format. I can't really, there's no, again, blanket solution sometimes there are compromises and that's, like I said, when it comes to lock into personalities, knowing their personality types and them knowing mine is helpful because you know how to approach that person. And, you know, like, like, for example, I'm hyper focused on efficiency. Like that's just how I train myself. I do everything efficiently. Like if I'm, if I'm, you know, lining up after a Starbucks copy or Timmy's you know, I'm going to have my phone in my hand, ready to pay. I know exactly what I'm getting, you know, and basically I'm going to make it an objective to be in and out as fast as possible, right? Um, so that type of attitude, I take it to most areas of my life. Um, and, you know, but to contrast that with, you know, sometimes you walk into a meeting and, uh, you know, you see one of those types of personalities and you realize that you have to spend 15 minutes talking to them about their kids first before you can get to business you know, uh, or like their recent vacation to Aruba or something like that. Um, and with me, you know, people come to the meeting like, "Hello, Gun, how are you? I'm like, yeah, 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 I'm great. Okay. Let's get this done. Uh, so, and you know, and it's like, it, it takes them knowing that uh, I'm personally, I'm, i think it's called INTJ, which is a commander commander personality. Um, so commanders are highly efficient. They would just want to get shit done in that type of thing. Uh, so if people don't know this about me, they're going to think, oh, this guy's a jerk. You know, he just doesn't care about me at all. But if they study the commander personality, they're going to be like, okay, it, it's not, it has nothing to do with personal. It's just, you know, Logan wants to get this meeting done as soon as possible and productively. Right. Yeah. But like I said, luck is a big factor, I think in co-founder selection, because, uh, you know, these gray areas between core areas of responsibility, there's still going to be discussions around that. Um. And those can be very smooth or very heated, depending on what kind of you know people you got in bed with.
1: Is there anything you think we missed that you would like to wrap up with? I mean, a
2: parting comment would be: don't. Uh, I mean, and I'm guilty of that, right? So that's also an advice to myself: uh, don't discount your own well being in your journey to build a business, right? Like you got to remember that you know there's your life and there's a business, right? You can always have another business. You can't have another life. Okay. That's an important distinction. So the business is there to make you feel successful, to help you change the world, uh, to, you know, I don't know, feed your ego. To basically, the business is there to help you, uh, to make you more fulfilled and happier. Right. Um, So, why is it not doing that? You know, why are you feeling terrible potentially on a day to day basis? Right. Something is broken. And you got to fix it. And if you fix it, both your business and yourselves, I think, um, are going to, going to be very thankful.
1: My previous, one of my previous guests, Greg Edwards, he's also a two time founder and two or three exits. He also said one of his major learnings was to separate your personal life from the business, you know, as soon as possible. That was like his. I wish I had learned that earlier. That was something that he felt was super important to share with other founders. That's a good advice. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I know
2: that a lot of people listening to this are going to be like, oh, great. Like it's, you know, it's another one of those uh, pieces of advice. Just take it easy. I can't take it easy. You can, though. You know, plenty of highly successful Mark Zuckerberg, okay, for example. Uh, notoriously work just normal weeks, 40 hours or less. A, a lot of people that I know are hyper successful and they're not killing themselves, right? You got to work smart, not hard. Um, sometimes it's going to be hard, but don't work hard day in, day out for months and months and months and months to come. That's how you burn out. That's how you stop caring about your business. That's how your company tanks. and That's how you end up on the job market, right? So you got to think strategically instead of just thinking, oh, just, just another day of me breaking my back And then it's going to be fine because it's not going to be fine. It's going to be like this. Yeah, if it's a young startup for the next two, three years. Okay, so focus on surviving three years without having a major mental breakdown.
1: Yeah, and it's like you said, it's a marathon, not a race. And usually it gets tougher. So you probably better equip yourself for the long run and and learn to, I don't know, learn to build your resilience and mental health <laughs> early on early as possible
2: yeah typical startup tech startup anyway tech startup exit timeline is like three to six years um you know with a median of five right so that means that you are going to be in this state for at least a couple of years and it's unsustainable uh, unless you figure out well how to sustain it
1: awesome well uh, logan this has been an uh, amazing conversation Love the topic and thank you so much for sharing your personal experience and being (laughs) so open with us. If people would like to talk to you in private, maybe about some of these things, where's the best place for them to reach out and connect with you?
2: We security people are pretty paranoid. So you're not going to find me on Instagram or Facebook or anything like that or TikTok, God forbid. Uh, But uh, I'm very active on LinkedIn. I post all the time. You can shoot me a message on LinkedIn. Um, alternatively, I have, uh, like I said, my own website, it's loganwolf.co, it's uh, in company, and uh, a lot of useful information there, and you can get in touch with me through that as well.
1: And you're welcome to talk to Logan in the Founder Pack, too. You gracefully joined us, so thank you <laughs> for, for joining the community, so yeah, you can come and join us in the Founder Pack, it's an easy URL, it's free. TheFounderPack.com. Um, so again, thank you so much, Logan. It was a pleasure, and uh, hope to have you back on again in the future. And Brendan, the pleasure is mine. You just uh, have a nice day and uh, stay safe. Exactly. Thanks. Bye bye. Bye bye.
0: We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Founder Pack Podcast with Brendan Rod part of the ITSB Magazine Podcast Network. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share the channel and ITSBmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey.